Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. God designed the church to be full of love and full of power. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And first, we're in a uh, series on 1 Thessalonians, and we were talking about a church of great reputation and we saw Paul come from Philippi into Thessalonica, and, which is the area of Macedonia, and he's ministering in this Greco-Roman world where he is ministering to Jews, Greeks, and Romans. Now that's easy to do, right? People that come from all over the place. Sounds a little bit like America. Sounds a lot like Alaska. People from all over. I mean, just look around the room. I mean, we're from everywhere and so many different cultural backgrounds, which makes it super easy, right, to connect to everybody and use one example that everybody. Um, okay, but that's what Paul's dealing with. And he's dealing with a very uh, a major economic hub where people were prosperous and they had lots of things they needed. But he goes in and he ministers and he preaches the gospel to these people. First, he goes to the Jewish synagogue, which was his practice. He would go in and preach to the Jews and then he would go to the Gentiles. And so he shares the gospel. A handful of people get saved uh, at Jews and Greeks and prominent women is what it says. And they have this revival that starts to break out. But then some of the leaders in the Jewish culture, the religious establishment, got jealous and they tried to shut it down. And they started to persecute Paul. And they started such a, uh, uh, so much trouble that they had to kick, they had to like get Paul and he had to escape from the city. And he goes to Berea and he ministers there and they have a different response. But um, when we see what, what, what Paul is trying to, he writes this letter he, back to the Thessalonians after he leaves, he's like, he left uh, Timothy uh, and Silas with them. And he's like, hey, you guys like stay there and keep pastoring these guys. I'm going to leave. I'm too disruptive. Yeah. And he writes him a letter back to encourage this church about the things he hears about them and the things he wants to accentuate or help them focus on. And so that's our takeaways today. It's like asking the Lord, like, God, how do we become a church that, that uh, God would be proud of? that matters in the region we're in, that's transformative to the region we're in. Amen? So we're just going to recap just a little bit. 1 Thessalonians 1. We're going to do all first 10 chapters, but 1 Thessalonians 1.1. 1, 1. Are we good back there? Good job, guys. This is a letter from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly as we pray to our God and Father about you. We think of your faithful work and your loving deeds and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what he said was true. And you know our concern from the way we lived when we were with you. Whew. I just want you to think about that the gospel is not just a church service. The gospel is not just a a reading of a scripture. The gospel is not just um, 
hearing something nice about a, a guy that lived before, and we go, oh, Jesus was a, he was a prophet, he was nice, it, 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 it's just nice, this is a nice addition to my life. That is not the gospel. The gospel is literally the power of God disrupting the world, the living world, every human being on the planet. Through the life of the God-man, Jesus, fully God and fully man, who came to intercept his kids. He came to intercept them on a, they're on a destiny for hell and separation from God. And Jesus himself, God, comes, fully God, fully man, to give up his life so that we could have life. To intercept our destiny for death so that we could have life. A God that requires you to do nothing but believe. A God that requires you to have nothing put together before you come to him. A God that came and stripped all the power and authority away from the devil and possessed it himself and now intercepts his kids, transforms their life through his sacrifice of his blood on the cross, which pays the penalty for all of our sin and allows us and makes us righteous through the power of the Holy Spirit, who now comes and dwells inside of you and makes you, his kids, the living sanctuary, the church, the temple of God. And when we gather together, we become a greater temple. You are the temple of God, and together we're the greater temple. You are the church, and we're the church. And he said, the gospel, when it's preached, wherever the gospel is preached, the kingdom of darkness is retreating. In fact, the gates of Hades, he said to Peter, that he's going to build the church on him. The gates of Hades itself could never, ever come against or withstand the power of the gospel living in and through the church. The gospel is about the relationship, the relational power of our living God with his kids, taking back all the authority from the enemy and bringing us into a new hope for a new glorified body with him and living it with him for all eternity. And like Romans says, nothing and heaven and earth can separate us from the love of God. That gospel is power. When we understand not only what has happened in us and what's happening to us and we're being made and shaped into his likeness and our old man and our old ways are being transformed and stripped away and our new man is coming alive or our new woman, whatever you are, okay, is coming alive and in that, we carry this power to also help others encounter this same redeeming love, this same redeeming power. And in that, there is the power to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to speak words of life, words of knowledge, words of wisdom into people's lives, prophetic words that encourage people to live out who God shaped, designed, and destined them to be the masterpiece he pre-worked in his mind before the existence of the world, he thought about you. He shaped you. 
He designed you for this time in this world. He designed you for power. He designed you for a destiny to transform the world around you. Through his love and his indwelling grace. And when we miss this, church, we are a powerless church. When we miss understanding the gospel, understanding the gospel is about living it. It's about embracing it. It's about walking in this. And wherever a church of good reputation was, they had this defining factor. The power of the Holy Spirit was moving among them. I just want us to think about what do we need to do to see the power of the Holy Spirit moving among us? I think one thing might be to to, to accept that the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. Yeah. Huh? I mean, I like to think about things kind of simple because I'm a little bit of a simple guy. And it's like the Father, the Son, we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you read and you see what work the Holy Spirit is truly doing among us, guys, it is no It is no surprise that the enemy is trying to defame the name of the Holy Spirit, the entity of the Holy Spirit, the very power and presence of God alive and at work inside of us. The Holy Spirit's the one that allows us to know that we belong to him. He's the seal. He is the seal of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the one that is the power and grace of God working through us to heal the sick, raise the dead. Yes, and it's in the name of Jesus. There is a, you cannot separate the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one God. Not three separate gods, okay? One God in three manifestations or parts that we will probably spend eternity discovering. I'm never going to say figure out. I should never say figure out because it's probably impossible. It's probably never going to happen. But we're going to discover and understand it in a in, in way greater, in a way greater way. I don't know how to say this. I'm not speaking well. Greater measure. Thanks, babe. You're right there. You got my back. When we end up in eternity and we see him face to face. But right now, the the enemy wants to stop the move of the church. He does not want a powerful church. That's his, we're his greatest enemy. And the greatest power we can do is engage the Holy Spirit through prayer in our life. But if you don't believe the Holy Spirit's God and he's some little sidebar thing that did work a long time ago and not today, then the devil's like, sweet, go to church. That's cool. You know what? I might've lost you. You might be going to heaven. Fine. Don't care. He doesn't care. As long as you're not wrecking his future plans with the 8 billion other people on the planet, as long as you're not a powerful church, But when you know who the Holy Spirit is, when you're redeemed by the blood of the Son and you know the love and you're identified by the Father, now you're a train wreck for the enemy. It's a power church. And a power church that now leaves a reputation everywhere it goes. That's the kind of church the Thessalonians were. And that's the kind of church I want to be. How about you? For when we brought you the good news, which is the gospel, this is verse five, you can bring that back up, verse five. When we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. Mm. 
Man, Lord, will you let us become a church that's not just words, but it's full of power? Lord, we want to be a church that's full of your power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. I want to say this about leadership and about who you listen to when you are trying to learn and grow as a believer. Is there needs to be some alignment with some things. Um, One is that when someone speaks and they preach the gospel or the good news, it ought to ring true in your spirit with the Holy Spirit. So if I'm saying stuff and you're like, that sounds whack. What, what do baby boomers say? That sounds, I don't remember what boomers say. I just think about what Gen X or millennials always say. That's whack. Okay. <clears throat> What's the newest one now? What do they say? That's cap? Oh, that's cap. That's not cool. That's like crazy. Oh, falsehood. Okay, thanks. That's cap. Yeah. Hey, you'll get me trained up. I'll, I'll be in it. Speak this, speak this new language coming out. But when we, when we understand that the words we're preaching need to have alignment with the Holy Spirit, that changes the level of responsibility when we communicate. So if I'm as a preacher or someone else you're listening to as a preacher, somebody that's saying, I'm preaching the good news, and you feel in your spirit, you should listen to the Holy Spirit connecting to your spirit, and you're like, eh, that just doesn't quite set. And then, this is what it says that the Bereans did, is it says that the Bereans, when he went on to Berea, and you find this in Acts chapter 17, we read it the last time, but he went on to, to the church of Berea, and they were of more noble character, or they had greater character, because they listened to what he said, they accepted it with joy, and then... They went to search the scriptures to make sure it was true. We have the power of the word of God, the scriptures. You can just leave that scripture up, bro. We'll just, I'm going to be there for a minute. Um, you, you have the power of the scripture you can read that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, Old and New Testament. And you have the living God who has written the law on your heart through the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And we should be checking those things to see that there's alignment there. And when there is a missing alignment, we don't have to throw the person out or tar and feather them, like right? But also, we need to not follow whatever it is that they're teaching. You know that if you're open, this is a key. We're not always resistant, like critical. Critical spirit is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is open and receptive. I trust that God's gonna help me filter this. He's all power. He's God. You go, Holy Spirit, will you help me filter this? I'm going to listen because maybe I'm off track. My brain just thinks it's one way, but Lord, you're going to show me a new way. Uh, how many times does that ever happen? Uh, my, my pastor, Pastor Rick Benjamin, who was the pastor of this church for uh, about 20 years, and his father, they always said to me when they were discipling me and raising me up, they're always like, Josh, don't pour... Rick said this more than Dickby. If you knew Dickby, he probably didn't ever say this to me. But Rick said this to me. Josh, don't pour concrete on your theology early. Like, you know, when concrete's wet, it's moldable, you can shape it, you can still move things around, but you know it's going to become something really substantial and immovable at some point when it cures. 
Give yourself time to let the concrete of your theology cure. Make sure you get the foundation, the fundamentals really set before you jump on, especially all y'all smarty pants out there. If you have a teaching gift, add 10, 15 years before you let it cure. Smarty pants. Because I promise you, the pride, I'm going to hit you hard right now. Just gird up your loins, okay? All the smarty pants. You know who you are. We need you because it's a gift. But you also know who you are. If you allow the concrete to set early, then God's going to use a jackhammer to bust it up later. And guess what? It's easier to move wet concrete than hard concrete. God resists the proud. He actually knocks the proud down and he gives grace to the humble. The smarter you are and the more you see in scripture, the slower you should go and the longer you should take because God wants to fortify a foundation for you to really be able to teach others. And when you're in the middle of your ministry and you gotta jack up the foundation, it's a problem. Or you wanna, you pretend like, oh, I can't change it now, I'm too deep in. Okay, I'm, I'm just, not that I've seen this ever happen before. Jim Struts, have you ever seen this happen before, my brother? Yeah, okay, Pastor Dick Struts, right? Come on, we've seen it happen, right? These are very seasoned uh, men of God in the house, big part of the foundation of our church. And if we pour concrete on all this stuff and rather walk in humility, we are going to just have all kinds of problems. But we need to have this openness, this receptivity to hear the word of God and not know it all right? Know-it-alls, least favorite people in my world are know-it-alls. They drive me bazonkers, bazonkers. It's a new word. Okay, and then there's another alignment. So we need the alignment of the word of God, the word of truth that's written in scripture, we believe is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, the words that are spoken, the good news. And then we also need an alignment with the life of the person delivering the word. And you know of our concern from, this is in, uh, also still in verse five, it says, and you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. This is Paul, Silas, Timothy, and they're saying, hey, listen, y'all know to listen because the word we spoke to you was the good news. It was the gospel. It was true. It's alignment with the scripture and it has alignment with the Holy Spirit who is bearing witness in your heart. And it's in alignment with the way we live. We didn't just talk it. We lived it. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of preachers out there. There's a lot of ministers out there that their lives are not in alignment with the thing they're saying. I'm not saying we need to point fingers and judge. I'm talking about the food y'all eat. The food we're all going to eat. And I'm telling you right now, if you're listening, oh gosh, I'm going to say this out loud right now. If you're listening to Calvinist preachers and teachers, guys, I'm not naming any names or whatever. I want to caution you that that theology, they poured concrete on it early. It's some really bad thoughts that lead to some really prideful and disruptive things in the kingdom that don't produce love, rather pride. And they disempower the Holy Spirit almost every time. So if I just want to challenge you, not just get mad at me if you're a Calvinist in the room or you've been flirting with Calvinist theology, but I'm just asking you to like 
just, just open up. Calvinist theology drives pride. It drives exclusionism. It drives all kinds of really negative things, especially the subtraction of women in leadership and especially the Holy Spirit. Those are two mega things, guys. It just, just think back. Forget about all the scriptures you've ever read about Calvinism and whatever people say. It's about predestination and uh, nat- not natural selection. That's evolution. <clears throat> Limited atonement. Jesus only died for the ones he chose. I'm telling you, this stuff is, in my opinion, it's demonic. I know that's strong, but I just, that's where I'm at. And I think if you attack women, which is over 60% of the body of Christ, by the way, and they're the angriest, <laughs> most passionate believers on the planet. Did you know that women are the angriest humans on the planet? It's in Genesis. It is in the book of Genesis. He said he put hatred between the woman and Satan and all of his offspring. He said it. Y'all are the angriest. The devil doesn't like angry Christians. And he don't like angry women. And that's why uh, that fight for their kids, that fight for their husbands, that fight for their communities, that stand at school boards, that go and wreak havoc on ranked choice voting, okay? Whatever else it is, okay? My ranked choice voters in the back. I'm just saying. Women are disruptive. They talk a lot. They pray a lot. They feel a lot. They do a lot. I'm just saying. But there needs to be alignment. And I'm asking you to evaluate the leaders of this church. And don't be judgmental. But y'all, we ought to have alignment. We're all leaders. All of us should have alignment with the gospel and live according to what Jesus died for and have respect for what he died for and be a church of great reputation. To do that, we have to be full of love and grace, and that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to take one second. We're going to have a tiny little repentance moment. You ready? Become a power church. Father, in Jesus' name, for any and every way that I have denied you, the Holy Spirit, in my life, I repent. Forgive me for my whacked out theology, Lord. It's cap, Lord. It's messed up. And Jesus, I'm asking you, fix my crazy brain. You fix my crazy heart. And Lord, you, the Holy Spirit, just fill me and align me with the gospel that's full of power and love. And it would give me a sound mind that I could destroy the work of the enemy with all the authority and power you've given me. And the God that you paid for, you died for, I will not spit in your face in your sacrifice, Jesus, nor demean it in any way because, Holy Spirit, you are God. And we accept you in our hearts as God transform my way of thinking and get in an alignment with yours in Jesus' name. Amen. And kick out every demon that tries to tell it otherwise. 1 Peter 5.3 says this, don't lord it over other people, over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Folks, as leaders, we have to lead by a good example. Living what we preach, it's pretty simple. But one thing that we see here in Luke chapter 10, I want to emphasize this before we move on. And you don't have this in the back, so don't worry about it. Don't panic, Jared. I'm just going to read Luke 10. It was just on my heart today. And this is where, see, when, whenever we see Jesus or we see the disciples or an apostle empowering, the, um, empowering other people, it's good to go back and see what Jesus did. 
Because the disciples are following Jesus' example. And in Luke 10, is this awesome passage where uh, Jesus is empowering the 70 disciples to go out two by two. And he tells them to go do a bunch of stuff. Um, these are his instructions in verse 2. It says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray that the Lord who is in charge, is who's charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers. Now, go and remember that I'm sending you as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, uh, nor traveling bags or extra pair of sandals. Don't take your stuff. Whenever you're in someone's home, he says, bless them. When you enter a town, it welcomes you. You bless it, right? But it refuses to. You wipe the dust from your feet and you move on. And this is what the Lord wants us to do. Stop getting in all these fights. Bless them and move on. Stick and move, right? It's a good boxing philosophy. It's just stick and move and just keep going. But in verse 16, anyone accepts the message is accepting me. And anyone who rejects it is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. And when the 72 disciples returned joyfully, they reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us in your name. Verse 18, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over the powers of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. That is a metaphor, okay, for demonic work. Y'all don't start walking on snakes like, oh, he thought I could walk on snakes and stop his You're Like, one more dead Christian? Thank God he's in heaven. Okay. Like are swelled up. And you know what? Paul grabbed a viper and it bit him and he was cool. But let's not do that, all right? Can be smarter than that. This is a metaphor. Talking about Satan, he's talking about demons, all right? And that's why he's using this. Okay. You don't, verse 20, don't, don't reject, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Come on, verse 21. Oh, Father. Okay, in that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Look at that, Jesus, God himself, filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, the Lord of heaven on earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you in this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. All authority has been given to Jesus. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal himself to. That's us. Holy Spirit, Jesus, reveal to me who you are, right? I want, if you, when you know the power, you live the power. If you think you don't have power and authority, you won't do it. But Jesus quite literally took all the power from the enemy, and he has it all in himself, and he says, I'm going to now entrust it to you. Go wreak havoc. It's an awesome task. It's so cool that we get to be a part of that. And there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God and the power of God. And even in eternity, if they take your life, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. When you and I give our life for Jesus and they take it all away from us, guess what? The kingdom of God grows. You can't stop this. Hell can't stop this. Uh, governments can't stop this. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Verse 6, so you receive this message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought to you. In this way, you imitate both us and the Lord. Wow. Wow. 
God loves a receptive church. And he loves a receptive church from the Holy Spirit will always cause you, when you're in love with the Holy Spirit and you're embracing the Holy Spirit, it'll cause you to be full of joy to receive. Ooh, that was good. You know what? I already heard that like 15 times before. Man, but that was good. Like I have joy to receive this word, the word of God, the faith of God, the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I need this. This is why uh, the, the disciples said, don't forsake the gathering together. Like the Lord is telling us, don't give up meeting together to encourage one another because we flip and need it. We all, we, all of us get discouraged at times and we need to be refilled with the love of God. But when the Holy Spirit is present, we all become receptive and with joy. Not reluctantly, well, I didn't want to hear that word. Oh my gosh. In spite, when we hear the gospel, in spite of when we hear this gospel, that it's going to cause us to suffer. When we live it in power, it will cause us to suffer. We have to give things up when we stand for what God is calling us to stand for. Our jobs, sometimes our life, right? Y'all, more people have been persecuted and thrown into prison for the gospel of Jesus Christ in this generation than throughout all world history. It's happening right now at the greatest measure ever. And in the places where the greatest persecution, Iran, Afghanistan, the Middle East, China, the gospel is exploding. People are getting healed, raised from the dead, uh, healed from sicknesses, transformed, and the, the mosques are being emptied and the church, underground church is being filled. I'm telling you, it's happened all over the world right now. Wow, more heads are being chopped off in Jesus' name. For Jesus' name, not in his name. Correction. Please, man, if somebody ever just clipped that one part, that would be a bummer. That's not the only thing I've ever said that if you clipped would be a bummer if I was out there. (laughs) It's dangerous to serve him in this day and age. It's dangerous to serve him in this day and age. But I want to say one little testimony, like uh, we were talking, I just sort of was mentioning as an example, like at, at one of the local high schools um, at King Career, one of, my kid, one, of, one of my kids goes there and saw this demonic, like a cult, uh, big poster basically that was hanging up in the preschool, right? It was in the early childhood development. And uh, with less than a week, that thing got brought down. Just like that. Can we be praying for that preschool, King Career, all week? Just praying the Holy Spirit moves on those kids, protects them from anything that the enemy would do, right? In Jesus' name, those those workers that put that up, Lord, I pray they'll get saved. I pray they come to know you, and Lord, your love will pour out over them. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in their life. Man, we need to be people that are receptive of the Holy Spirit, receptive with joy. And God, we need to be willing to like suffer for the gospel. A great church is willing to give up their life, their identity, their position, their standing to advance the gospel. In the same way, we're imitating not only the apostles and the early disciples, but also Jesus. 1 Peter 2.21, for God called you to do good. We're called to do good. Even if it means suffering. 
Well, I don't want to do that good and stand up for that because I might lose my job. No. If you have a conviction from the Holy Spirit to do something, then you stand for it and lose your job and trust God for something else. He'll bless you. He'll take care of you. Just as Christ suffered for you, he suffered for us. We suffer for him and in his name. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. Ephesians 5.1, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the good news or the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, first the Jew and also the Gentile. You are filled with the power of the living gospel and nothing can stand against it. I want to be like that church of Berea that was of more noble character. I want to keep learning. I don't want to be someone who just always and already knows. I hopefully have another 40-ish years of my life to live, and y'all have whatever your time clock is, right? Bob Barker, he just lived in 99. Let's go, Bob. He even beat up Happy Gilmore once. Okay. Y'all, we have a lot of time to live. Sorry. It's terrible. We got a lot of time to live. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm a has-been. It's all done. One of the things Dick Benjamin that impacted my life, and so many of you, if you ever knew the founding pastor of our church, um, people, they would come, and they they had known him for 30, 40 years before, and they would come over and visit him, and, and then he would open up his book, and he's like, hey, I just want you to know. He turned to the page. There you are on my prayer book. I pray for you every day I lift your name up before the Lord. And he was in a wheelchair. That was like one of the most powerful parts of those later ministry is he prayed for, oh my gosh, that book was so full of people's names. And he would know them. And he, when he'd see their face, he goes, hey, I'm praying for you. How's Charlie? How's Bob? How's whatever all their kids name? I'm like, you're crazy. But it's because he prayed for them every day. There is no time to quit when you're a believer. There is no time to take your foot off the gas and there is no time to stop stop advancing the kingdom of God through the love and the power of his Holy Spirit. But man, we're always learning, we're always growing, right? Verse seven, as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout Macedonia and Acacia. I wanna be an example. When our church is full of love and prayer and acceptance and forgiveness and we are driving the enemy back. And when prisoners come in and they're accepted and loved in our community and we don't let them go, amen? No matter what. When people are in, when you, when we're all struggling and we're helping one another instead of judging one another, come on, that is of good reputation. That's the kind of church we wanna be. Not a judgy church, not a perfect church, but a loving church. A church that's full of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And growing Wow, a humble church that's growing, that doesn't know everything? Sign me up. Verse 8. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, Acacia, where, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God, and we don't even need to tell them about it. That's what happens when we live in the power of the gospel is it creates this ripple effect. Like Jesus said in Acts 1.8, he says, I 
am leaving, and I am leaving you with the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses, not my show-offs. Y'all don't prophesy to show off. Y'all don't have words of wisdom to show off. Y'all don't pray for the sick to show off. No, we are to glorify God, to advance the gospel. Healing is present. The power of God is present. Prophecy is present to drive people into a relationship with Jesus to activate their faith. When you see someone raised from the dead, y'all, your faith is encouraged. You go, God is real. I remember Pastor Zach gave this one testimony. He was like, I wasn't even a Christian, but I was in some demonic meeting where they were levitating somebody, and I might screw this story up. But then he goes, I'm just going to try this. God, if you're real, make this stop. The guy falls out of the sky. And somebody goes, hey, what happened? They keep trying, trying, trying. Like, who prayed? Is there a Christian in here? And Zach's like, I don't think I'm out. Okay, that, I told that pretty close, right? That was pretty close. Okay, when you see that, you're like, God's real. Uh, I prayed for a girl's tendon. She had torn her ACL, completely detached. And, and she was so discouraged because she was going to not be able to play basketball. And these are close friends of mine. And I'd never seen anybody really, really get healed. And so my faith was like, I'm like, come on, Lord, you can do it. And I pray for her, and then I walk away going like, well, it didn't happen. They call me the next day. They got an MRI, 100% retached. She played the whole season that year. And it was a big deal because her dad was the coach. And she had grown up with her dad coaching and all that stuff. And it was, it, it, God loved her that she got a chance to play with her daddy and for her daddy in her senior year. That was a big deal. And God loved her enough to build her faith. My faith was encouraged when I saw her ACL get reattached, which is like a six, eight, one year recovery cycle. Okay. She had an MRI, by the way, it was detached. She couldn't walk. It was like, blah, blah, blah. Then she get healed. She's like, man, this feels awesome. And then the next day she got the MRI and look at that. Boom. She's healed. When you see the power of God move and encourages you and that reputation ripple effects out and people come and they want to know, is God real? Because in our heart, we're asking, do I matter? Do I belong? Am I significant? Am I valuable? Am I seen by the living God? And the power of the gospel alive through the church causes people to know that they are his and they're adopted into his family. Church, people don't know unless you preach. People don't know unless you live it. If your life is not in alignment with the living gospel, the power of God, dadgummit, let's get it in alignment. The prayer of a, a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's not just a man. That's humankind. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That just means being in alignment with the righteousness that Jesus already has done inside of our lives. Man, I want to be a part of a church that's in alignment by faith with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and is preaching and living the gospel so people just hear about it all over the place. In 1 Thessalonians 4.10, or 2 Thessalonians 4.10, we just see in 2 Thessalonians, he writes them a second letter and he just reemphasizes this. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers. Think about that, the emphasis on love. The greatest power and move of the Holy Spirit is love, which drives acceptance, forgiveness. It's not rude, it's not boastful. It doesn't give up. It never says quit. You already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. 
Verse nine, for they keep talking about your wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living God. This church of great reputation of power and focus and love is hospitable. They're repentant, they serve. We wanna be a church that's hospitable, repentant and serving. Y'all, if you're not serving, giving of your life, giving your tithe, returning your tithe back to the Lord and then serving somehow, some way, joining a care group, working in the kids' ministry, serving wherever you can, sweeping floors, ministering out, right? Come on, working in a way, serving the community to help advance Christian beliefs. School board, run for assembly, flip and do something for Jesus. God's called us to be a church that is hospitable and welcoming to people and repentant. God, change me. Turn from my ways that are not in alignment for me, with you. Serving. And verse 10, and we'll close here. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. A healthy church is looking at Jesus and expecting him to return. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Church, if, if, people, folks in here, if you have never given your life to Jesus, y'all ought to be scared. There is a real coming judgment. You don't have to get saved 500 times. Y'all need to just get saved once. One time. You need to declare and believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that everyone has sinned or come up short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us. The gift of God is Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. Fully God, fully man. He died as a perfect offering and sacrifice for us so that we might live as we confess his name. I confess his name and I begin to leave, live. Jesus, I accept you as Lord. I accept you as Savior. And now I am saved and redeemed and set free from the sin in my life. And no longer am I afraid of this judgment. I have fear of God, right? But I'm not afraid of the judgment. Because I'm set free. I'm clean. Not based on what I've done, but what he has done. But a healthy church is looking to the second coming of Jesus. Do we need him to come? I hope it is tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow would be great. We don't have to go through another election cycle. How awesome would that be? Oh, the pain. But there are a lot of people that need to hear the name of Jesus. And that's not gonna happen until the full number of those individuals are in heaven. And only God knows when that's gonna be. But there's a lot of people right now that can come to know him. In fact, there are people here in this congregation, sitting here in this church right now, that you need to know Jesus. You need to turn your life back to him. Will you close your eyes with me? Or you need to turn your life to him, whichever one it is. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? If you're feeling a pre the presence of the Holy Spirit of God pressing on your heart, respond to it. Right now, respond to it. You don't have to get out of your seat. We don't have to do anything else except just pray right where you're at. God will meet you where you're at. But don't leave this house. Don't leave this place without re receiving the gift that Jesus paid for. Receiving the gift of life. To be accepted into God's family through what he's done. If that's you here today and you know, man, 
I got to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of get, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of resisting. If that's you, just slip your hand up in the air and I want to pray with you. Yeah, thank you. I see your hands. Yeah, I see your hands. Jesus, I'm ready to turn my life over to you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.